Welcome to the Church of Mavis Radio Show. It's Friday night, 7-11 p.m. Central, which we're all still alive, still marching to the apocalypse. I don't have a co-host tonight. He's at Home Depot. I guess they've been working him to death. Jay, he'll be here next week. Uh, just real quick, going to go over a couple of the guests. Uh, move on. All right, okay, okay. Next week, J.D. Walker. That's from Lewin. That's uh, trees and uh, like Celtic kind of stuff. Uh, March 24th, Carol Day. That's shamanism. March 31st, old friends Rob and Trish McGregor. That's uh, synchronicities, I believe. I need to redig that PDF out. And then uh, April 7th, Don Webb. That's always a good one. His book is How to Be a, uh, a Wizard Situation, and uh, he did Vampire Magic. He's done a lot of weird books. And of course, he's in the Temple of Set, which is always creepy, so I try not to say anything too creepy about that. But they don't bother me, I don't bother them, and he's within her tradition, so there we have it. But uh, uh, Beasel, my old co-host, is coming back, 14th for his show. Uh, Ronnie Pontiac, that's April 21st. I believe that's like Rosicrucians and stuff, like History of America. Uh, April 28th, James Aquilon. That's a, he wrote a cool horror book with uh, our friends Joe Orlansdale and Al going back, OWL. That's like all these universal horror fiction monster stories. And uh, Joe Orlansdale and Al have been on the show. And they contributed to it. I haven't read it yet. I have it. But he also did some new one called Shakespeare Unleashed, which is everybody telling weird horror Shakespeare stories. So the book, I believe, is uh, Monsters Unleashed. So that's a good one. And uh, let's see. That's it for, for April. Tonight's uh, guest, Matthew Ash McKernan. How's it going, Matthew? It's great to have you here. It's going good. And Ash is fine. Yeah, I, I, I do use both names. Uh, but yeah, Ash is kind of the predominant one lately. So okay, yeah, um, I'm going good. Uh, it's going good. I am well. Thank you. Of course, I'll try not to think of the Necronomicon and Evil Dead every time I call you Ash, but it'll be hard for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's great to have you here. I love Norse. I'm no expert at it, of course. I know it's in my blood. If you trace back my ancestry there's all kinds of stuff in there and that's in there uh and uh i love the music and uh grew up with christianity uh in the south and you know i love native spirituality i love norse there's just so many good ones and i resonate with those and uh that's why i like to do shows in norse you it's not always easy to find a guest on that subject they're there but it's not as frequent as the native shamanism and stuff. So I always love to love to do uh, these type shows to learn all I can about it. So, and the book is Weird Craft, Healing Self and Nature Through the Mysteries of the Fates. If you could give us a little bit of a, a background on your connection with Norse and your belief system, how it intertwines and everything. <clears throat> background, let's see, well, how far back should I go? Uh, back to the beginning. Back 
to the beginning. I guess. <laughs> I guess you know it, it does. It does go back to the beginning in a way. I mean, I was raised in Ohio, and it was a rural area, a lot of fields, a lot of forests, farms, and um, I spent most of my what feels like most of my time outside, and tons of time in the woods. And I think that's kind of my first, you know, where my spirituality began uh, without really knowing it. And, and also where my relationship with weird began without knowing it. But uh, I was raised Catholic. And so I got a dose of ritual in a very, um, you know, very specific way. I think, I think there's lots of different types of Catholicism around the world and around the country and around the state and you know but one thing that was pretty clear was that I didn't really feel the divine in the church per se but I did feel something in the woods and I didn't I just called that God and I guess many years passed and my connection with nature just kind of deepened and Eventually, I got into Buddhist practices in my late teens and early 20s, and eventually into some Hindu Tantra work in my late 20s. And that, that was kind of where I was introduced to magic uh, through that through that work. And, and then I met some Thelemites and got to know about more Western forms of magic through that and and that they all kind of wove together in a way so i didn't really leave any of those earlier practices behind so to speak they just they kind of stayed with me the catholics stay with you or did you ditch it um it it stayed with me in a strange way i you understand know, that. i understand yeah, that. <laughs> it did it did take time for me to come to, to integrate it, to, to learn like how to integrate it in a healthy way. Because um, the, the Catholic guilt stayed with me, you know. And That's kind of how it is with, you know, I grew up Christian and I, I still believe, but it's like I've studied other belief systems, but it's a hard one to get rid of. It's like I'll find myself back reading scripture or listening to something it's hard it's like you can't get rid of it even if you want to or try to sometimes it just comes right back hello it's me jesus <laughs> like well, that maybe but, a part of our um maybe a part of our just the human psyche in a way the propensity towards towards uh guilt and fear of damnation and you know all that good stuff, which is also within the Norse, you know, it's in the Norse. Uh, we could get probably get into that later, but Ragnarok yes. and whatnot. But, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So eventually I came across the concept of weird. And now that, that was like, I went to grad school to become a therapist. Uh, uh, and it was kind of a spiritual counseling program that had a spiritual bent. So I was learning to integrate different spiritual practices with therapy and with my understanding of psych psychotherapy and you know as i like to call it now psyche therapy which just means it's soul therapy which i feel is more accurate 
but um yeah so yeah went to grad school and then and then that's when i found out about weird around the same time and and then uh, you know <clears throat> all the things that i had done in the past came together and kind of this thread this braid uh, became very i don't know it became visible and that that braid was weird and and it just it explained everything um, in my in my worldview and you know it doesn't mean there's no mystery because there's definitely tons of mystery there still but um, we're weird here come to the right place the whole reason we're here is because of weird stuff mm -hmm. i know there's many different uh definitions of weird and we're gonna i want to get into that but just to give you a little background the main reason this show was created was because i had a lot of weird spiritual paranormal things happened to me after uh at 17 testicular cancer and chemo uh and then my dad died a few years later and somehow all of that suffering opened my senses and a lot of weird stuff happened from ufo stuff to with witnesses a friend was like jeffrey you're attracting them here and I don't know if I've ever been taken or anything like that. If so, I don't remember a damn thing. But I've seen weird stuff in the skies over every house I've lived at that were strange. And it kind of seemed like it wanted me to see it kind of stuff with witnesses. And then also a lot of strange beings. And it doesn't happen as much as it used to. I wish it would. Uh, but uh, some of the beings, one, one day I was inside actually listening to scripture on TV or watching it on some DVD, one of those meditation things, and something said, go outside and look in the sky. And I went outside uh, completely sober, no nicotine, no weed, completely sober, looked towards my house and saw two beings of light leave my house, like shining people as if they'd been inside the house and flew through the roof into the heavens. And I didn't catch a film or anything. I don't even know if I had a cell phone then, but I had someone draw it once. That's the closest I've come to uh, getting it in a manifestation besides in my mind and remembering it. But it's, uh, I think the suffering and stuff opened up my senses on a lot of different levels. And that led to doing the show. And next thing you know, I was interviewing Stanton Friedman, nuclear physicist. Uh, he's passed now. Jim Mars, who... Uh, inspired uh oliver stone's jfk movie he wrote a book jim mars wrote a book alien agenda he's passed so many greats and it led down to i think it's like year 15 now of uh, interviewing people about this stuff and that's why we're here uh it's weird stuff so tell us what w-y-r-d is compared to weird weird like w-e-i-r-d yeah um it's a big question, and I think that there's a basically there is total crossover, like we what we call weird, like your experiences that you're sharing, um, that that is weird with a Y too, that's that's weird, and in the sense that so this kind of ancient definition of weird leans towards fate destiny, nature, soul, magic, and this process of becoming. So the way you describe that, like, um, 
like these this, these things happen to you, right? You said that the suffering opened you up to stuff and it led to you doing what you're doing now, which, you know, you could say that that's part of your destiny to, to do these things. And it was, it was part of your fate to have these experiences where you did suffer in order to open up and et cetera. And so you, you had these experiences that connected you or opened you up to soul, to, to magic, um, and to your awareness of these things happening. So weird, weird is an experience for first and foremost. Um, it's, it's a mystery. It's an experience. Um, it's connected to the goddess um, traditionally, and that, that's and, and a force, and also the Norns, which are the three fates of the Norse pantheon. Um, but you know, the fates, you know, fate gods and goddesses and beings exist all around the world, and you know, so weird is just one word to describe this phenomenon that exists all over the world. And another word might be Tao, or another word might be Ma'at, which would be the Egyptian um, form. And, and, and weird is more. So, it's so. An interesting word. I mean, it definitely is uh, definitely interesting for sure. And I, I, thanks for the explanation of it, it makes sense. And it is similar to weird. It's just like a, you know, there's more to it. But I noticed uh, the spider, uh, how does that tie into all this? Like the deities, you have a section on spider deities. And that's the Norns. Are they similar to that, the web? Well, the, the Norns, there, there are no spiders really. There aren't a lot of spiders talked about in Norse mythology. Um, I, I think there's only a couple mentions and. Some people associate the spider with Loki, but I don't think that's actually been proven, so to speak. But um, the Norns, they sit under the world tree and they take care of the world tree. And as they're, as they're you know, what they do is they, they lay down the, the, the orlog of beings, of life. And that's, orlog is another word for fate. And and it's said in the in the lore that they're carving the fates out of out of wood. And some people say, you know, it's like carving runes, or you know, it's it's they're carving into the world tree itself. Or you know, it's not really certain. So, and there's also mentions of other Norns. There's many Norns, and some of these other Norns are attendant at the birth, at people's births, and and I, I believe that. They have been talked about as being weavers, weaving, weaving weird, weaving one's destiny. And so the connection with spiders really isn't anything that's like from the lore. It's just from this idea of fate being something that is woven or the nature of reality being something that is woven. Um, they weave something into existence. They measure it out and then they cut it. That's what the th the three fates do in um, Greek and Roman mythology. So the the spider is the builder of the webs, and I believe that in in the Native American mythologies, 
spider grandmother, you know, she's associated with technology. She's associated with um, the creation of, of the universe, the multiverse. And, and she's a guide. She helps people. She, um, she helps people find their destiny, find their purpose. And so that's the kind of the connection with spider in there. And uh, I mean, we all know that the days of the week are named after a lot of them. And I mean, it seems like religion kind of hijacked a lot of their beliefs and then incorporated into all their commercialism holidays, like, you know, Christmas and all that stuff. I mean, they, they hijacked them. I'm, I'm just kind of off the cuff. Uh, the Loki, that, uh, did they, do you think they stole the uh, story of Satan from that a lot, or at least parts of it, or is there any connection to some thievery with that? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Loki and Pan and Dionysus and a lot um, a lot of the a lot of beings kind of they they call it they kind of borrowed a lot of this imagery and then called it the devil or called it Satan but yeah Loki is definitely the trickster and and even modern modern heathens you know some love him some aren't so sure about him and some don't won't even say his name you know because he he has such a predominant part in the end of the world, you know, in the in the Ragnarok, and and he's all he's making trouble, um, a lot and causing a lot of problems. Um, but you know, there's there's a lot of different ways to look at Loki, and I personally see him as um, a creator, you know, a very complicated creator destroyer deity who has has. Uh, I don't know. I could say I could say a ton about Loki, but I I I've appreciate always, yeah. Loki's presence. I've always found him fascinating for sure, and uh, the trickster element—that's a big thing in the paranormal. Like I love coyote stuff too, and uh, mm-hmm. all those folklore and stuff. And I mean, with North, it's interesting. To say some of the, I guess the Norse people don't like to even say his name. That's similar, you know, with Satan. People don't like to say his name, so it's just weird parallels that I try to understand. But as far as uh, Loki, I mean, he wasn't always uh, wasn't was he always evil? I mean, he made weapons for Odin, and I know there was the Balder situation where <laughs> he whacked him, I believe. But uh, you know, the, the, there's it's more complicated than just you know evil, right? Yep. Yeah, one thing I really like um, about the the Balder story is that if if Balder hadn't hadn't been killed, um, he wouldn't have gone to the to hell to the underworld, and he wouldn't have been safe, so to speak, and lived through Ragnarok because he was he was one of the handful of people that survived Ragnarok that came back to basically start the whole cycle over again so so a lot of people say that loki actually did a did a huge that was a huge uh favor you know for for everybody so he sent him to the underworld to come back after ragnarok sort of like a yeah 
That's, that's weird. I've never heard that, but I believe you for sure. That, that's cool. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, of course, uh, did he bring fire to mankind? Is that the same story as Coyote? Is there a story like that with fire? There's Prometheus. Prometheus brought fire. And there is an association with Loki and fire, but um, it's some people don't, you know, some people are like, no, Loki is not fire. Some people say he is. And yeah, I'm I'm not a scholar. I'm not like a Norse scholar or a Norse academic or an academic, really. Yeah. Um, I've, I've read these stories a lot and I love them, but I have a hard time retaining them just because my mind um, doesn't really work that way. So. <clears throat> It's, I understand for sure. Yeah. I got those uh, Neil Gaiman uh, Norse comics. Those are pretty cool. Beautiful artwork. It's retelling them all and stuff. I know he did some book too of it. But uh, it's definitely, there's something to it, powerful. And you can just feel it on so many different levels. The way it's laid out and everything with the world tree and, mm -hmm. and everything. And, uh, so I guess uh, tell us more. I mean, about your book and uh, what exactly <clears throat> it embodies. What where would you start? Let's say someone wants to get your book. What would you say to them to kind of get them started for someone that may be a beginner or you know they're not experts and they want to start somewhere. Um, start somewhere with what specifically, like. Well, your book. book, yeah, your book, yeah. yeah. Well, I would, I would say that it, the book is for, it's, you know, I wrote it for beginners. I wrote it for intermediate. I wrote it for advanced. You know, um, for for anybody. And what what it what it is, you know, it's. I've done a lot of thinking about the book, obviously, and you know how to summarize it it's kind of hard to summarize it in in a quick you know easily digestible paragraph or something but but in general it, it is about magic and it is about very practical magic that is accessible to everybody and and you don't need to go buy a bunch of things and you don't you don't you know, it's it's very you know I say it's practical, and what I mean by that is that it it kind of gets to, in a sense, the the essence of magic, which is um, change, and and specifically awareness and change. So this connection between awareness and change, and awareness and choice. So choice being this magical practice so weird craft is very much very simplified the, the the practice of bringing more and more awareness to everything to as much you know the moment whatever is happening in the moment and then seeing um okay which you know when you become aware in the moment, you're going to become aware of, of a lot, right? It's, there's a lot happening. But one thing that you're going to become aware of is, is the, the web that connects everybody. And you're going to see, oh, there's wounds. Like 
I hurt, my body hurts, or or the world is hurting, or you know, you're gonna see suffering, and you're gonna you're gonna see how that has come to be, how that suffering has come to be, and then you're gonna see what you can do to help heal that. So by making by bringing awareness to something and by making new choices, we have the ability to do magic and and basically heal everything you know of course you you know what is what is healing that's kind of the next question so what what exactly does healing mean because you can't you can't like heal your body when you're dying you know or you some people some people can like they go through illnesses i mean you you had illnesses that you went through and your body healed um, so there's some things that we have control over and some things we don't you know that's goes back to free will and and fate you know and all that but the book is basically kind of a, a guidebook to bringing awareness to the nature of things and then um seeing where our wounds are and then as we heal our wounds we gain access to our potentials just like you know i don't want to keep bringing it back to you because i don't know your full experience but um you you had wounds that you worked through you healed and that led to you finding your potential or fulfilling your potential and and accessing your magic and and whatnot and and i think it's same for everybody that when we when we heal our wounds when we bring awareness to the nature of things we really tap into this magical power that is flowing through the universe you know, that is that we can use to to heal every domain uh, mind body relationship environment soul spirit etc so yeah weird craft is is for anybody really and um, it's it's not a specific practice it's not like different than it's more of an overarching kind of theory and you can put your own practices into this theory of weird craft like everybody is already doing weird crafts it's just um it's just an unconscious thing so the idea is to become more and more conscious of this thing that we're already doing and then to guide it in ways that it's more mindful more loving um, more healing more magical, more, more soulful. So have you had many experiences, like let's say when people practice this uh, kind of uh, stuff, like does it, can it bring on paranormal or spiritual experiences? Have you had any that you could share? Yeah. <clears throat> um, synchronicity like the just that that phenomenon of synchronicity that's weird that is that's like a perfect that's that's one way that weird manifests and you know i've 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 definitely had my fair share of weird experiences and tons of synchronicities but the first thing that kind of comes to mind is my different experiences i've had with ghosts and and spirits um, and how those those have been really healing experiences um, for 
I think for everybody involved. And one one experience that well it's a very are you is that what you're asking? Do you want to hear? Yeah, 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 that'd be great. That'd, that'd okay. definitely be great. Did so you was, see uh did you see we have a ghost on Netflix yet? <laughs> no. It's actually pretty good. It's got that uh uh, David Harbour, the guy from uh, Stranger Things, and he's a ghost in these people's house, and it's funny. It's it's it's, it's a good watch for sure. <laughs> but, but go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. So I was um, I was in Zion National Park in Utah, and I was there with my family, and this was I don't know maybe about ten years ago, and. We were staying in a big, big old house, you know, that we rented and instantly it felt weird being in this house. Just, yeah, so just using that word weird. It's already, already the gears are kind of turning like, oh, this is somehow related to fate and destiny and magic and soul. And it's also very strange and odd. And so my sister, um, my sister-in-law, both sensed that there was something strange in this house as, as well as I, and it started to become more apparent at nighttime. And so just like this weird, unsettled feeling, strange noises, you know, hearing footsteps in the house. And none of us were really talking about this um, at the time, but we were all experiencing this. And, and we were there for about a week and every night, it felt like this presence, this ghost, this thing, whatever was in there was getting closer. It just had this feeling like, okay, it's closer. It's closer. And it was, it was what I think was, it was an experience that was getting closer and closer until the, the kind of, when this experience um, climaxed, so to speak. I was I was in my bed, and the the lights were out, and I w I wasn't able to sleep, you know, because I just had the heebie-jeebies, and and I'm looking out the window, and the window is closed with the these blinds, and there's these little little spot little um like you know the blinds they have like a string that goes through them, and there's little holes in each of the slats. And so anyway, I could see a shadow move in front of these, of the light that was reflecting from outside. So I knew that something was in the room and it was very close. And, and I was, you know, I knew that there was no escaping it. I knew that it was just getting closer and closer. And I said, okay. So I just, I surrendered to it. And I, I, I just opened my heart. Right. And, and said, what, what, like, what do you, what do you want? What do you need? And what came to me was, was the realization that this, this, this being, you know, which kind of looked like a big boulder, a, sh a shadow boulder kind of was a lost prayer and that's and it didn't really make sense in the moment like lost prayer and then 
I had a, a flashback of two, two or three days beforehand when I was walking around the, the desert, around the property. It was just a lot of open desert, you know, but these, there are these trees about 15, you know, 10, 15 feet tall and, and sand and it just stretched on. And I, and I, I almost got lost when I was walking around and I realized, oh shit, like I have to be really careful because I could really easily get lost in here. And I just got this feeling in that moment of, of like how terrifying that would be to get lost in the desert and and okay flat um fast forward you know a couple days and i had this realization of this thing being a lost prayer and what it was i realized was that when i was when i was out when i was out in the woods that's when i that's when the ghost um i had a a, a connection with that ghost and that ghost followed me back into the house and basically was like hear me, hear me, hear me. And what it was, was that someone had gotten lost in the woods and died. And, and that was their last prayer. You know, when they, when they were dying, it's like, somebody, somebody find me, somebody hear me, some like, I need, I need help, you know, and, and no one heard it. And so this soul was, was stuck. And it just, it's his, his prayer, it felt like a he, his prayer needed to be heard and so in that moment i heard the prayer and i just started bawling like i just because i i kind of became him for a moment where i i i was him in the woods alone lost dying and just like scared you know and having this emotional experience and then it went through me and then it and then i felt it just kind of go back into the infinite i kind of i opened myself up and and it in this this being returned returned to the source and and it was free it was no longer um a lost prayer it was no longer a lost soul and um this wasn't the first time i had an experience of doing that but this was the most intense but i had to learn a couple things before i was able to do that um but it happened and then and then the the house was clear so to speak you know it no more noises no more weird feeling in fact it was like incredibly peaceful slept really well and it was a it was a life-changing experience did you ever know what kind of ghost or who it was or what time period they came from or anything like that not exactly just that it was a guy who got lost in the lost in the woods in the desert in that in that kind of desert forest because there was no way to orient you know yeah. i mean i guess there was the sun but you get you get lost in the desert and you're you get lost in the wilderness yeah. you know pretty so, much anywhere you're big trouble. thinking about the actor julian sands of you hear about that the guy that he was in warlock that horror movie called warlock he's a british guy with long blonde hair he's been in a bunch yeah. of stuff but he went uh out in the ice in california and didn't come back and like john malkovich and everybody was you know saying stuff because they're friends with him he's an actor named julian sands but he's been in a lot of weird stuff but yeah. uh 
he went out ice he was in the ice climb and all that crazy stuff and uh went out there and it's like been he's been gone too long lately that uh, they didn't find him so he's got to be dead uh but yeah that happened recently you'd probably recognize if you saw him his name's julian sands yeah i've seen the movie and i can i can picture him too i just yeah i didn't i didn't when did that happen uh recently like the last yeah. month or so you saw warlock <laughs> yeah. some 80s cheese right there was uh, good though. <laughs> i love those movies yeah, yeah. I, I definitely was watching all those in high school and uh, yeah loved horror films me too and i like those so much more than what we got now that's for sure it's yeah. there are more creature features mm -hmm. the weird torture porn we have now <laughs> that's horrible yeah. it's too much almost but yeah, yeah you should check out uh we have a ghost uh it's by the guy that did that happy uh death day like some movie where some girl's caught in a time loop it's a horror movie and she keeps getting killed on her birthday or something but it's a family movie he did a family movie so it's 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 for uh that's good though the ghost is trapped in their house yeah it's kind of one of those movies that didn't get the best reviews but you watch it and everyone likes it like it, it's it's pretty i liked it everybody i've heard likes it so mm -hmm. it's definitely worth checking out if you want a comedy uh so uh i always find it fascinating how these different belief systems have similar creatures like for instance uh american indian native stuff has the little people and a lot of norse i mean i, I guess i don't know i guess dwarfs are in there yeah and then giants is in a lot of different cultures and sometimes i wonder if bigfoot is giants you know the, <laughs> which they are right are they left over from you know the norse times are they the titans there's just so many different ways we do i have a book about bigfoot it's just filled with interviews with people about bigfoot who do bigfoot stuff but uh so we do shows about that kind of stuff but that's fascinating to think about and then i saw uh like i think it was the like india their belief their belief system had like a there was something similar to the thunderbird and the serpent story from native american stuff about the thunderbird and serpents that come up from underground and then they are mortal enemies and uh i know there's the garuda and stuff that's like a, a weird bird deity but it's just interesting how all these things have similarities that are kind of, kind of creepy you know ways mm -hmm. for sure and I, have you is any is anything weird ever happened to you in the woods seeing anything or any kind of experiences yeah yeah i mean I've, I've seen a number of number of beings like that that have been pretty hard to define and describe uh, I've, I've had a couple bigfoot experiences really um, i've had yeah one of them in particular i'm curious i'd i'd be down to share it um because i'd be curious yeah. to hear your thoughts on it that would be great share your bigfoot story my co-host has seen a bigfoot staring in the wind kids and it, he saw it and the bigfoot got mad and left which is kind of <laughs> creepy hopefully the bigfoot was being you know just being innocent and watching kids not anything creepy yeah. but uh i think there's a wide a variety of bigfoot I, I like to think most of them are 
you know, good, but I think there are some stories that make you say, huh, are they taking people and eating them? Like <laughs> there's that Mr. 411 stuff with David Polites and all that, mm-hmm. all these people disappearing in national parks and stuff. So I don't try to paint a genocidal picture of Bigfoot. I think there's a white people, you know, they're assholes and they're good people. So I'm sure the same thing with Bigfoot. But yeah, please tell us. That'd be great. Yeah. So I was in the Sierra Nevada in, um, on the western side in California, and I was up on a, you know, kind of a mountaintop, and was up there meditating and um, soaking in the sun, and I had I had an experience up there where it was kind of a flat top, and and I I was just imagining um, like. Mayan, Aztec peoples who would have their hearts cut out, you know, on on the pyramids, and that they would, in a sense, that that sacrifice, the offering their blood, so that the crops would grow, so the corn would grow, and that, and just kind of going into this trance, and and something similar, you know, happened, or I'm I'm up there, and I, I kind of, I feel like I felt like I died, and and went into the light and it was a beautiful experience and i you know i i kind of sat up after that was done and i was looking across this valley at another mountain and then i saw like uh maybe like 50 feet tall this large lumbering bigfoot looking rainbow being just walking just walking past and it was kind of it kind of looked like um you you know in predator like the camouflage that predator has yeah it kind of looked like that but there was some like rainbow kind of a rainbow spectrum in it and it just i saw it cross in front of the mountain and it just kept going you know and and it looked even though there wasn't any detail of you know i couldn't see eyes or fingers you know i I could see the shape of it walking and it looked very much like the, you know, like pictures of, of Bigfoot or, you know, I, I don't know. It was like, 50 foot tall though. That's what it was it huge. Like. It was massive. And definitely cool. I know there's one time I was on the ocean and I saw a bean that made me, when you described that, it made me think of what I saw, but this was weird. It was almost like it was in the sky. And walking like in the horizon like there was no mountains it was the ocean on the beach down here and yeah. it was kind of like it was walking across the sky but it, it, the way you described that made me think of it and i haven't thought of that story in a long time but i've seen weird stuff with the sun before that was weird like uh i've seen aerial stuff in the sky that looked like almost like a golden amoeba that should be like in the ocean or in a fantasy movie <laughs> in the sky floating like aerial phenomenon but yeah, and some people think they're the Nephilim, which, you know, that's kind of creepy, which maybe they are. I don't know. The, the what? Who, the Nephilim. The Nephilim. Oh, yeah, the angels. Yeah. The, yeah mm-hmm. the spawn of angels being naughty and left over from the flood from Noah and all that, which maybe so. There's just so many different ways to look at it. Uh, it's definitely fascinating for sure. Yeah, I wonder if that if we saw a similar being there, you know, like uh, 
that, that rainbow, the rainbow being. Yeah. And then, of course, you got uh, people who think they're just physical, which I think there's something more to them. I don't know what exactly. There's some predator stuff going on, I know for sure, with a mask. There are people that get mad if you say there's something besides physical. But here's my theory. What if they're physical and spiritual? When they're, uh, the physical body dies, they're a spirit. So it could be ghost Bigfoots and physical Bigfoots. It could be the same, you know. Yes, yeah. that's, that's that's logical. I think uh, definitely. I love, I love the 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 quote that the I don't know. I think it's Terrence McKenna. You know, who said something something like the um, the nature of things is weirder than you can ever imagine. Or yeah. it's like so these things that that we're talking about these experiences they're like they're weird and there's really no end to weirdness like weird weird is a whole is a is like a, a rabbit hole that has no end so yeah why why would bigfoot not have multiple forms just as you know other beings have multiple forms <clears throat> exactly yeah. exactly i've had bigfoot people threaten to beat me up for saying bigfoot is paranormal they're gonna come kind of beat me up at my house like that's crazy, but uh, cray crazy. If you look at Ron Moorhead, he has a book Quantum Bigfoot. This dude's like a professional Bigfoot guy. It's called Quantum Bigfoot, so he's even leaning in that direction. So mm -hmm. there's more going on. So uh, I know we were going to talk about Ragnarok. Let's get into that some uh, or a lot or whatever. But uh, did Loki like? Was he like the leader of the Titans and Giants and stuff? Was he like the considered their leader, or was that something else? He, he he led them into battle. Um, he he led the giants into battle on this big ship made of toenails. Um, toenails, ship okay. of toenails. <laughs> They're toenails. Toenails, <laughs> toenails of dead people. Yeah. Oh man, that's not a piece of But yeah, well, that's what I've always wondered. You know, with Loki and all these Bigfoots and stuff. You know, pop the out of the woodwork again and lead them, lead them to take us over, like Planet of the Apes. Yeah. <laughs> the final, the final death blow, was was given by the, a giant named Surt. And um, have you seen the the Thor Ragnarok, the Marvel movie? Yes. Yes. So that's that's Surt is that huge fire demon, you know, that fire giant who comes with a big sword and delivers the death blow so you could say that um maybe he's the leader in a sense he's like the final boss or whatever but um yeah loki loki is the father of hell right so um loki went down to hell and it's like hey um we're gonna go to war can you know can i borrow some of your people and um Loki definitely had a, had a big hand in the 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 product the pre Ragnarok events because there was a lot of events that led up to it, but and then they bound him. I mean, that's similar to yeah. them binding Satan. It's similar 
similar uh, imprisonation stories for sure. And Pr Prometheus as well. Did they ever say with Loki if he would ever become unbound in any of their texts, or will he always like, supposedly just be? And to you, has Ragnarok already happened, or is it something that's like a metaphor, or may happen, or what's your view on the the happening of it? Well, from yeah, I guess my point of view is that Ragnarok is cyclical. So it's a natural process, and it's happened many times, and it's happened on the soul on many levels too in many different dimensions you know you could say it happens on a cellular level um, with every every cell you know that comes into existence and blinks out of existence and is re you know it's like you know rebirth and all that so yeah but I, I do think that there yeah you know, there are many cycles that are happening and it seems as if we're in one right now, like as far as the, the human, the human experiment on Earth right now, that we are getting closer to this uh, another Ragnarok uh, at a at a at a lar at a big level, you know, at a at a planetary level. Yeah. The Doomsday Clock certainly closer. <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. It's definitely been crazy with everything. Yeah. But I think it is also a metaphor in the sense that, um, you know, there's death and then a rebirth. And that using, kind of going back to this idea of magic and kind of choice and practical magic and whatnot, that, that we, we are, we have the possibility to kind of live out our own Ragnarok internally and kind of the things that need to die within us can can die and a new new world can be reborn within us i'm thinking about that psychologically um, letting go of old habits old patterns you know a lot of what what happens in in ragnarok is that the gods and the giants and all the beings kill themselves and and it's unfortunate because it's like, well, couldn't they figure something out? You know, didn't. Um, and then I was imagining what happened if they all had therapists. Yeah. You know, How did they kill themselves? Is it so? What is it? I mean, all the giants killed themselves during Ragnarok. They uh, they jump off ledges or no? Uh, no, they're 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 killing each other. So the oh, giants, okay. yeah, the gods and the giants are fighting each other. And, you know the 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 wolf kills Odin, the snake kills Thor, and Thor kills the snake, and Odin kills you know the wolf. So they're just um, Loki and Heimdall. They they kill each other. And yeah, there's two humans who survive, and there's the sons of Thor survive, the sons sons of Odin survive, and Baldur survives, and. Um, Hoder, who's Baldur's brother, survives, and they survive by hiding out in a forest. And and Baldur, of course, is in the underworld, so he survives because he's down there. Um, so <clears throat> Baldur is is the light. He's kind of like Jesus in a way. I've thought that too, Baldur and Jesus. There's some similarities. Yeah. So yeah, he he's reborn. You know, he is resurrected from death, and and is kind of 
the the new the the all father the new all father the new odin so he's odin's son but he he's the the savior of of this new world and so we can do that psychologically like each of us has our own internal light our internal boulder so to speak and as 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 our different parts that aren't really healthy or serving us can kind of they they immolate they self-immolate like sort burning burning the world um there's this alchemical process that happens and and there, you know it's like the phoenix and the ashes so this this uh, is happening at all levels this phoenix so yeah and where's most of the story about these survivors at in like the text or whatever where where's that's that? the, yeah that's in the the voluspa that's one of them <clears throat> i have that somewhere i bought it not too long ago i need to actually look at it <laughs> yeah but it's i'm pretty sure they're they're in least one other if not more spots and i wish i had that answer because um it is cool to to learn like oh okay not everybody dies like there are there are survivors there's yeah, i always thought everyone croaked so that's good to know yeah something hopeful so what do you do let's say you're you're having a, a a low crappy energy day what what is a meditation that you would recommend i know going into the woods is that definitely that's part of it but i know you have a lot of different exercises and meditations is there one in particular that could help us when we're feeling crazy as hell, which is a lot lately? <laughs> it needs some balancing. Yeah. Um. Yeah. First one that comes to mind is kind of a is a meditation that I have in the book of kind of becoming the tree, becoming the world tree, and. Um, do you want me to just tell you about it or do you want me to guide guide a, a meditation through it? Yeah, we could do it for sure. Yeah, I was just looking through a lot of them on the contents on Amazon and I have your book right here. But but yeah, we can we can do that. That'd be cool. Okay. All right. So um, I'm ready. I mean, that that is a great that is a, a thing that would help too you know just um, homing for like a good 20 minutes that that'll do something um, okay so so i invite i invite you i invite you know our viewers and listeners to take a moment to just pause and feel into your body just kind of do kind of a quick temperature check, like barometer check. Notice how you're feeling. And then bring your awareness to your breath. And you can do this with eyes closed or open, whatever, whatever is more comfortable. Bring your awareness to your breath. It's coming in and leaving your nostrils. Feel your chest expand and feel your belly expand and contract. 
and we'll do do a few belly breaths so when you breathe in start breathing in from your belly button so you'll feel your belly button expand and as you're breathing in you'll feel that expansion move up into your diaphragm up into your lungs and then up into your throat and you'll kind of end your breath at your nose and then as you breathe out you'll kind of start at your nose and you'll feel the the contraction go down breathing out going to your neck down to your chest down into your diaphragm and you're ending your breath back at your belly button and feeling that contraction there pulling towards your spine just do a couple couple more of those And you can breathe out through your nose or your mouth, either one. So now, now imagine that at your at your solar plexus, and that you have kind of a a ball of light, a ball of energy, and your solar plexus is the spot between your heart and your belly button little below your sternum. So imagine that there's a warm, glowing ball of light or an orb. And you can imagine it being a golden or silver, violet, whatever color suits your fancy. I'm going to go with gold. Just feel the warmth that orb with each in breath just imagine that 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 warmth spreads into your cells into your body and breathing out cool air breathing in warmth Now imagine that you, and you can actually do this with your hands too, that you are pulling a little bit of that energy out as a thread, pull like a little bit of thread out of that, that ball and pull it upwards. Actually reverse, go down. We'll go down first. We'll go down to the earth first. So pulling that thread downward, down your spine, out your sacrum, into the earth. Imagine it going through the layers of the earth, down into the core, and kind of sew it into the core, or weave it into the core, and feel, feel that, that warmth of the core of the earth, sending energy up that thread through each layer up into your sacrum, up your spine, and back into the core in your center. And feel that connection, feel the, the creative energy of the earth and the love of the earth 
that's just producing all this life. Breathe that into your cells. And now we'll go up. So bringing that thread, which is connecting the core of the earth up into your core, pull it up your spine, out of the crown of your head. Imagine that it goes all the way up out the atmosphere into space and straight to the sun. And you weave it into the sun or sew, sew that thread into the sun, making that connection and feeling that solar power, that solar energy move down the thread into your core. Feel the creative energy and the warmth and the light of this golden, golden energy, life energy. From the sun to your core to the earth, just that unbroken thread back up from the earth to your core, to the core of the sun. So these three cores connected. Feel the energy flowing up and down this thread. Permeating your cells, going into places in your body that are wounded or hurting or aching, places where, where it wants to go. Let the energy move where it wants to move. Now, kind of superimposed on this, this kind of world axis or column that you've created Imagine that's a tree and reaching down, down into the earth. Imagine your roots out from this single thread. There's a plethora of threads that are spreading out like roots and they're rooting into space, into time space, into the, into the void pulling nourishment, life energy up from all these threads up to your core, which is now the trunk of this world tree, this cosmic tree, this trunk that is solid and strong, healthy, and, and also flexible. And imagine it going upward, reaching the crown of your head, 
where it branches out again into branches, into countless branches reaching into space, into time space with leaves sprouting, soaking up energy, soaking up breath, soaking up life, love, and just feeling all of that moving down into your trunk, down into your roots. Again, this cycling up and down, pulling in energy from space, pulling up energy from the underworld, so to speak, or, or the void. Now sit, sit in this presence of Yggdrasil, of the world tree. Feel your rootedness. Feel your strength and stability and centeredness. Immovable. Feel your expansiveness above reaching. Totally open. At peace. Ready to weather any storm. Knowing that you can't move. If a storm comes, you can't walk well, you can't walk away from it. You you just have to be through it. Feel your strength, your flexibility, your rootedness, and your expansiveness. Breathing in air, breathing out. Sending life energy to the world around you, to, to all those other trees out there, all those other beings. Breathing in their breath and breathing out your breath for them, a cycle of breath, life breath. Weathering the storm. Giving, loving, living. In this moment.
letting the energy flow where it wants to flow, wherever the wounds are. It can be other people's wounds too. You can send some of this energy to someone you know who may be hurting or who may need it. And you can just, you can send it to yourself, wherever you're going through. pretty soon but before we do just take one final kind of barometric check or temperature check of of what it feels like to embody this tree this cosmic tree this, this cosmic pillar sun body earth connected We'll take a few deep breaths into the belly. And send some thanks to the world tree some gratitude out there for, for life, to the sun, to the earth, to your body. Thank you for this life. Thank you for this experience. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah. You should do a CD. Your voice goes good with it, for sure. <laughs> you could do a, a Norse meditation CD. Yeah. Maybe. Thanks for thanks for doing that. Yeah, what was that like for you? It was good. My my mind kept going to the places, seeing it like visually, like the tree. Some reason I kept thinking about it. And there's some kind of serpent under the tree or something, like some kind of dragon. I kept seeing that. Like I was like, okay, but uh, mm -hmm. you know, and the universe and the sun. I, I saw it visually in my head as you were describing it. Mm -hmm. What's up with the snake under the tree? The dragon. Yeah. Yeah. Always, always gnawing at the tree. What's that like, dragon called? What's his name? Nithog. I don't, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that totally correctly. Nithog. Some, something like that. Sounds familiar. Yeah. Yeah. Always gnawing at the roots. And that's, that's one reason why the Norns are always, they're, they're always taking care of the tree. Because the tree needs to be taken care of. Because not only is the dragon eating at the roots, and there's there's four parts or four deer that are also gnawing on the the branch, you know, the leaves and the branches, and um, so it's it's a beautiful kind of message that comes through that that image is this idea of sacred reciprocity which is very much a part of native american i don't know animist cultures all over the world but this idea that we have to give you know this we are giving and and we are receiving and that when we stop giving we stop receiving you yeah, know so we 
taking care of the world tree is absolutely vital in making sacrifices or offerings to to ensure the life of this tree um because if we stop then the dragon will eat you know the dragon and the, it'll just, the tree will get eaten too much and yeah what do you mean by you bring up fragmentation a lot what do you mean by that 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 whole idea is like is basically that comes with the web the idea of the web of weird and the web being this idea that everything's connected and um, the way i describe it in the book is that there's these there's my, the domains of mind body relationship environment soul and spirit uh, these different domains are all connected in a in a great tapestry and this is the web of weird and um this web is fragmenting like the there are wounds there are wounds that have not been addressed or healed within each domain and because of that the the web is fragmenting things are um falling apart basically mm -hmm. and you know it, it will lead to a, a self-destruction so the idea is to you know notice that the fragmentation is happening where it's happening and then and then making offerings of time and space and energy and awareness and um, action to heal these wounds it's like soul heal. retrieval like with shamanism soul retrieval yeah, that's one way to do it, for sure. Um, yeah, bringing bringing these parts back, bringing the parts back into wholeness, back into wholeness. I know uh, there's been a lot of TV shows with Norse in it, and they're okay. I mean, of course, there's Vikings, and that was decent at mm -hmm. times, and sometimes it wasn't, but. Uh, What's the other one? I just uh, I remember Last Kingdom. That was pretty good. I like that one. It seemed more serious and not as I don't know kind of trashy as the other one. <laughs> but Valhalla uh, was pretty good. That was from the same yeah. connection to the first series. But uh, what's the one? What did I just see with uh, Oh, the Vikings with uh, Kirk Douglas. We me and Christina watched that the other day. That was weird. <laughs> it was 1958. Oh, I've never seen that. With Kirk, Kirk, Kirk Douglas. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of, I don't know, it was it was weird, but I mean, it's fun to watch, but just yeah. kind of weird. They didn't seem to be, there was no like shield maidens and all the women just seemed like they were like, you know, they're prostitutes or something. <laughs> but, but there was definitely some things that, you know, I've noticed with the other series, there's more women warriors, at least now, but that was a long time ago, so maybe they didn't even. I know there's a whole story about finding some shield maiden in her grave or something. So, but uh, mm -hmm. but the 1958 one missed that boat entirely, apparently, because there weren't like any female warriors in it or anything. That's the that's the times, right? That was the zeitgeist, you know. Yeah, there's the long ships. I need to watch that. I haven't watched it. Yeah, that's an old one. All the long ships. Mm -hmm. Have you seen the North, the Northman? 
Yeah, I saw the Northman. That, that was pretty good. I, I like the guy that makes the, the witch and lighthouse and everything. It was good. Which which was one of my favorite. I, I love that. I love the witch. They, yeah, it really nice. captures the wilderness like so well. I, I, it's creepy for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's doing Nosferatu next. I, I love yeah. that. I love first yeah. Nosferatu. That's one of my favorites for sure. So I'm interested in how that's going to go. Yeah. Uh, like the old black and white one and then the Klaus Kinski one that's uh, Werner Herzog made. That's pretty weird. A weird watch. Uh, he did a, like a color one. I forget, like in the 70s or something. But What's that one? one? There's one. There's a Nosferatu that Werner Herzog oh, did. Oh, yeah. I know the soundtrack. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I love Klaus, the Klaus Kinski's in it. Have you never seen it? No. Nope. I really also, like that band. That, that band that does a lot of this, yeah. the soundtracks, Popol View. You got to see the Warner Herzog one sometime. It is a trip for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, there was some other one, Nosferatu in Venice. I never watched that, but Foskinski's in it. It's kind of like a weird sequel to it that made no sense. I haven't seen it, but I doubt it's as good as the, the color one or whatever. But of course, one of the best ones, Shadow of the Vampire. I love that with uh, Malkovich and Defoe as Nosferatu. You ever see that? Mm -hmm. That's it's been, great. Been too long. I need to watch that again. That's a good rewatch for sure. <laughs> it's a, a crazy one, but uh, but the guy that did the witch is doing a Nosferatu. I think mm -hmm. Skarsgård's playing the Nosferatu. Oh, that that fits. Yeah, that, that makes yeah. sense. Mm -hmm. He's doing the crow and. Uh, yeah, I know he's doing a crow too, but I don't know how that's going to be. You know, he's a good actor. Huh. But uh, so, what about uh, you listen to a lot of Norse music? I, you know, Wardruna, I, I love that. Uh, there's different, there's so many different ones. Is that something you do a lot? Um, yeah, I love Wardruna, and Heilung is really good. And who was that? Who? Heilung. Highland? How do you? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I got you. H e i l u n g. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There, there's these. There's a few that are these older bands from the '90s that I'm really into. That are, they're more, um, they're more traditional folky, but also with kind of a '60s folk influence as well. A little bit psychedelic and a little dancey. But anyway band called um called Yallerhorn. Spell and, that again? Yeah, it's G J A L L A R H O R N. Yallerhorn. One and, word. Yeah, one word. Okay. And that there um Yallerhorn is <clears throat> that's the <clears throat> the horn that was that was blown at the start of Ragnarok. <clears throat> Heimdall's horn, but they're great. They have some really good YouTube videos, Yallerhorn. Um, <clears throat> and another one called Hedden and Garna. Hedden and Garna. And they've. And Garna? Head, it, it, that one is spelled H E D. N I N 
G-A-R-N-A. Okay. I got them. I spelled them. There we go. Yeah. My Georgia. Got it. <laughs> and Gar I think Garmont and the Garn. There's another one, but I'm spacing on the name. But they're all kind of similar, kind of like, um, you know, Pentangle, that English band Pentangle or um, Sandy Denny, like Fairport Convention or... Uh -oh. Yeah, they're like these 70s folk folk rock bands that were really good. But yeah, Gellerhorn and Head Nagarna are kind of like the Norse equivalent of those English ones. And they're, they're kind of bring, they're bringing back to the traditional, you know, traditional instruments and traditional songs. But like Var, Varjuna is doing that too, but I feel like Varjuna, um, they're more like droney. They're droney and trancey and... Kind of yeah. slow. It's awesome journey music. Um, Taunting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, Gjallarhorn and they're they're more of like a folk, more traditional, I would say. I mean, from what little I know, I'm not a, I'm not a historian, music historian or anything. But I'll check I, them out for sure. Yeah. I have. I actually have. Um, I can plug my own music a little bit uh, sure, I, have, I have a band called kind of a solo project but it's called maze morphia m-a-z-e maze and then morphia m-o-r-p-h-i-a and the idea of it being a, a maze that's always changing and that that being kind of life or um, this the soul's journey or something maze morphia so the first, the first two songs on there are called the, well, the album's called The Wanderer, and it's it's loosely based on Odin, on on the Wanderer Odin, and um, it kind of combines some other myths in there. There's a mention of Tiresias, and so there's some Promethean theme to it, and um, there's a song about um, God of God of Dreams. Um, and yeah, so it's it's mythological and kind of bardic, and it has has great great synthesis, uh, multi instrumentalist synthesis named Lisa Belladonna, who plays on it, and her work is just mind blowing. I mean, next next level, next next level kind of thing. But anyway, yeah, Maze Morphia. I'm definitely a music fan, and I've been playing music a while. But. I wrote them all down, including yours. I'll have to check them out for sure. Cool. And uh, are you a music musician or just a music fan? I just like music, but no, I'm not. Yeah. Uh, but definitely like music for sure. Like a lot of Carl, or Carlos and Nakey, I always say his name wrong. The native guy, you know, does all the meditation and stuff. Flute music, I love that. Mm -hmm. Love the Norse stuff. I like a lot of, and then I like a lot of metal, Tool, and stuff like that. But that kind of fluctuates as you get older. Things that you used to like, you don't like as much. That's <laughs> for yeah. sure. Uh, About the, any Norwegian black metal? No, but I saw some movie about with that. Uh, Macaulay Calkins' brother or something about that. I forget what it was called. Lords of Chaos or something. Mm -hmm. 
That was a crazy mm -hmm. watch. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm familiar with some of it, but I don't really listen to it. I like a lot of music that, like metal, that I, I guess that you can understand their voices are unique, like Alice in Chains and Typo Negative and Tool. And I, yeah. like I love Nirvana. Like, I like unique voices. Like the music, there's just so much crap that sounds ugh. like it's all this, like the same person almost. Mm. Uh, like, yeah, that makes sense. I like Nine Inch Nails. There's so many. It just depends. I like mm -hmm. Rob Zombie. I can, you know, it just depends. But lately, I like just a lot of meditation kind of stuff. You know, mm -hmm. uh, I used to be into Manson. Now that's kind of hard to listen to since he's like a pervert with all his crazy court stuff and stuff. He's always been kind of creepy, regardless. But mm -hmm. uh, not really into that as much, but I used to be. You know, I went to the Antichrist Superstar Tour. That was crazy as hell back in 96 in Atlanta. I think mm. I'm still recovering from that one. <laughs> that was so nuts. <laughs> but uh, but uh, I was listening to New Limp Biscuit not too long ago. That was good. <laughs> mm. They did a funny one called, I think it's Out of Style, but in it, watch it if you can on YouTube. Each one of them is, one of them's Putin, one of them's Biden, one of them's Zelensky, one of them's the North Korean dude, and they're doing the music in their band, and they're dancing around with their faces, like, <laughs> it's creepy. <laughs> but it's all out of style. It's worth, the video's worth to watch one time, at least. <laughs> My mom was like, I like that, but I'll never watch it again. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, but I grew up on a lot of uh, Guns and Roses and Nine Inch Nails and Beastie Boys and stuff like that. Yeah, Nine Inch Nails was a big one for me too, in junior high. I think that I think Nine Inch Nails helped me heal a lot of Catholicism, you know, like kind of heal a lot of that Catholicism stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Listen to Pretty Hate Machine during chemo. Mm. It's kind of weird in that album. There's a picture of him and he's got his head shaved and he's like in the sun. That's weird. That's kind of like. I went through the bald stuff too, you know, and uh, I remember listening to that a gazillion times during all that. <laughs> Pretty hate machine, uh, for sure. They haven't put out anything in a while. They put out some stuff. It's mostly like instrumental. I saw them live about, I don't know, three, three, four years ago. And it was the first time I ever saw them. And they were amazing. I mean, they put on such an amazing show. You know, I haven't really stayed up to date with their stuff, you know, at all. You know, so a lot of their set I didn't know, but um, so good. Yeah, it's good for sure. They, yeah, it's put out a lot of weird electronic albums that are just no, no singing or whatever, just weird stuff you can buy at a site or something. Depends with soundtracks. I know he did that weird soundtrack for the Watchmen, that HBO show about the comic book with Alan Moore and all that. They did that whole soundtrack. Mm. That was pretty weird. Uh, the show was decent; it wasn't bad. But uh, when you say weird, what do you mean? Like weird, weird for for what? Just weird in general. That in general, or just right now when you said it? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Weird for me is just anything out of the ordinary. Uh, I guess I associate weird with paranormal more than anything. Uh, I mean, there's been some things that I've seen that 
I still can't explain. Uh, for instance, one of my bigger experiences was uh, me and a friend saw some small hooded beings in the woods standing around a black box. And they were like, kind of like Jawas, but not that fat from Star Wars. They were skinny and you couldn't see their faces, but three cloaked beings, like in hoods, standing a black box was in front of them. And uh, that's weird. And uh, that something that reminds me of Phantasm or something. You know, they're going to take you to the little dwarfs in Phantasm, but yeah. I didn't even know of that movie then. <laughs> but a cat jumped towards them and they vanished. Huh. Oh, wow. And we've been partying and stuff, and you know, sure we're experimenting with stuff, drugs and stuff, but we yeah. both saw it. And uh, it's just something you don't forget. But one of the big ones I've always seen is the Beans of Light. It's been a while since I've seen them, but they just seem like us, maybe without our bodies. I'm, I'm, I guess that's what I guess they are. I mean, I've heard aliens, angels, and you know, I heard everything <laughs> you could think of, but I kind of wonder if that's what we are in these bodies. I've seen that we're a star in these bodies, which is kind of weird to think of. <laughs> mm -hmm. Our stars, deities, or human souls, or just whatever. Yeah, well, there's definitely a lot of connections that I've heard, too, and about uh, the fae, the, the fairy, fae folk, and, and angels. And, and UFOs, that, that connection, that they're, um, they're related. They're like in relationship with each other in, in some way. Either they're the same being or they're just like different orders of being or something. There's connections with UFO stuff and fairy lore uh, being taken and the yeah. mark of the fairy mark. And it seems like the same phenomenon, just dressed up in different ways in a lot of ways. Uh, when it comes to it and just the UFO subject in our world now how crazy it is You know with those balloons and supposedly they shot down UFOs, but they never really told us what they were Could have been foreign nation weird stuff drones or whatever who knows it could have been an alien I, I don't know we don't know they don't tell us but We're definitely living in an age where UFOs is a hot hot topic and then we even had that release from the you know the pentagon and all that weird footage and stuff like that so mm -hmm. i just think there's like another civilization that lives here amongst us that may control it on some level but it's always been here uh i don't know may, maybe nefarious may not maybe a mixture of different you know beings here but it's definitely fascinating. One of my uh, favorite uh, UFO documentaries, if you've never seen it, is Dan Aykroyd's UFOs Unplugged. The actor, Dan Aykroyd himself, smoking a cigar, talking about UFOs. <laughs> it's on YouTube for free, but it's pretty good. A lot of good footage. But yeah. uh, you had any UFO stuff? Ever seen anything weird UFO-wise? Um. I've, I've definitely seen unidentified flying objects and I've had experiences where, you know, some shadowy thing floats through the sky and blocks out the stars. Um, and I've been to an interesting place in West, East, uh, Western Mass 
that there's actually it's a UFO site um, near Great Barrington, Great Barrington, Massachusetts, that that actually has a plaque that has been stamped by the governor saying this is a historically proven, you know, UFO sighting happened here, and that that was just super cool to be at because it's like the not that the government has to you know this give the stamp of approval for something to be real but it's it's just the you know it's becoming more more talked about and more obvious that yeah they're here they've been here and they're around and um but yeah, my my I've had more experience with with fairies and with angels, but you know maybe that's UFOs, maybe that's um, so. But what, what are your uh, fairy experiences? I've had some weird ones where I went out to a yard once and saw silver lights in trees, and it was almost like there was Christmas lights, but there was no electrical cord, and it was almost like there was something, you know, fairyish in the trees. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't glow bugs. It was weird. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, when I was, I don't know, maybe nine or ten, uh, we lived in the woods at the time. I was walking to this. We had, we had a barn, and I was walking on along the side of the barn. And then when I got to the corner, this little, you know, wood woodsy fairy uh, peeked around the corner and looked at me. And, and I stopped in my tracks and then it just like, it stuck its head out and then it, and then, it, you know, it went back and I was like, I was just like, holy shit, that was something I just saw. And I ran to the corner and looked and it was gone. That was, what, did, what did it look like? It looked a little bit like, um, like Hoggle from Lab Labyrinth. Like the little pudgy cheek little dwarf thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> looked looked cool. a little bit like that, and um, nice. And then and then other experiences when I was older, and they looked more like light. They were more like light, light beings, and where one you know one was hanging out in the tree, kind of looking looking at me in a tree, and then one walked right towards me, and and actually. We we came face to face, and it was it was it was a scary experience um, because well, it's it's a weird experience. It's not it's not your typical thing that would happen. Like, what do I what do you do? What do you do when you encounter a fairy that close up? And so I just um, I took a deep breath. You know, I, I realized that it was coming towards me. And, and just um, in the same way I did with the ghost, I surrendered and um, and it entered me, you know, it, it, and then it's interesting. It's like I, after that happened, I, I was fearless and very powerful. You know, I just felt very fearless and powerful. Yeah. And of course it, it fades. Those feelings fade. I don't. I don't. I, I can tap into it now. I guess I still feel it a little bit. But you know, walking around in the dark in the woods at night is um, 
think that's where a lot of weird like a lot of weird experiences happen because yeah. it's, it's a liminal space and and it's like a blank canvas for the soul to arise through through the imagination through um through the veil you know and something about courage like facing facing these beings and and surrendering with them surrendering to them when it's okay because sometimes they're dangerous right you don't want to be any part of them and you like i've i've had experiences like that too where it's like no i need to have boundaries with this one and um there's i, I put a little thing in my book about that like a an exercise about a banishing using using the energy of growling and i've i've done that saw with, that some of these some of these beings that i've encountered in the woods uh, both animal and other than animal beings and it works you know it's it's a so you growl at them and that scares them away yeah but it's it's more so like um like in that meditation like that that core like accessing that core and then projecting that energy into your aura and basically a don't fuck with me like you do your thing i'm gonna do my thing like we're cool but don't fuck with me kind of thing uh oh <laughs> you know yeah i got you it's it's not it, like it's, I'm a, gonna, it's a primal yeah it is primal screen for sure to scare away the did anyone else was anyone else there when you saw the fairy or was it you by yourself with the one that peered around a corner by myself yeah nice. yeah I've, I've had a go i've had ghost experiences where other people have seen but the fairy experiences have just been by myself yeah i've had a lot of experiences completely sober but i'm not gonna lie i've had some on psychedelics as well like i had yeah. one on halloween on the lake on Halloween night, uh, I thought I was seeing fallen angels, and they were very reptilian, and uh, they were like holograms. And one was like a, a hydra, the other one was humanoid. And the closest thing I've seen that to come to that come near to their appearance is Mayan gods. Like I have these oracle cards, and there's pictures of their gods that are weird as hell, and it looks like some of those things that I saw, and weirdly enough they were saying positive things to me like we love you dance right and sing like Deepak Chopra and I was freaking out thinking I was seeing the devil <laughs> or being <laughs> from Georgia but uh weirdly enough I came across some paranormal encounter stories of people seeing a similar being in different states around here from North Carolina and they said it had antennas on its head and I found those online and I was like what the hell did I see I don't know but it's like when you think about it, you remember it, and it's almost like, do they know I'm thinking about them right now, whatever that was? Mm -hmm. But uh, it was a weird night for sure on a Halloween night, but some very strange beings that were very different. And the, I, had, I heard music, like some kind of weird music that was strange. And then some guy went nuts and tried to drive us in the lake with his truck and act possessed that night. Mm -hmm. It was a party night. A long time ago, <laughs> but 
but uh, on Halloween yeah, all nights, yeah, on, on Halloween psychedelics. I mean, that's, sure. that's, some, <laughs> that's some courage. Take some courage to do that, or or some foolishness. But yes, you gotta love both. I mean, it does take a bit of foolishness to get through life, right? You got that right, no doubt about it. Yeah. Well, uh, we gotta end at five two. We got about three three or four minutes. It's been great. We appreciate it so much. Uh, I appreciate uh, it. Ash, the book's uh, Weird Craft. Let me read the whole the whole title. Uh, Weird Craft, Healing Self and Nature Through the Mysteries of the Fates. And it's on Amazon. It's from Llewellyn. And uh, we appreciate it so much. And keep us on the loop for future stuff. We'll get you back on for sure. Is there something you're working on for the future? Now you um, may not want to talk about it entirely, but keep yeah. us in the loop regardless. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't really have anything like super solid except doing kind of like traveling around and doing some weird weird process groups where we explore weird together in a group and and explore weird through healing you know healing magic together and all that. So I'll I'll be doing that um, this summer at a bunch of different places and. Um, Hopefully, I'll be coming down south at some point. But nice, nice. And yeah, you should think about a, a meditation CD. I know Evelyn Rizak stuff has like uh, music CDs. They have a lot of that for shamanism. She does more stuff too. She's been on. But uh, I've never really seen a meditation CD, so that would be cool. Yeah. Yeah, Thank, thanks for doing that. And thanks to the listeners and viewers for... Um, for doing that as well and thanks for having me it's really fun conversation and yeah i appreciate it you helped carry me through i don't have a co-host tonight so i've had a few yeah. crap weeks of dogs passing away and all kinds of crap so i appreciate you uh carrying carrying me through and the meditation i felt some uh lot of being health thor baby yeah. <laughs> but yeah but we appreciate it Thanks so much. What's your website and everything? It's www.weirdwildweb.com. And that's weird with a Y. All right. Well, we appreciate it. Keep us in the loop. And thanks so much. Take yeah. care. I'll send you the archive when it gets up. Sounds good. Thank you. All right. Take care. You too. All right, everybody. You're listening to United Public Radio 107.7 FM, New Orleans. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And gosh, who's coming up next? It's not Don Webb. I don't have to look. My memory is just toast. Let's see. Uh, I have it right here. I read it out earlier to you, so I have to look at it to remember it, uh, which is bad. But, oh, uh, J.D. Walker. That's about Celtic stuff, and trees, and spirituality and stuff. The 24th Carol Day, the sh shamanism. You know, you always like to get our native on. And then Rob and Trish McGregor. They haven't been on in a long time. I got a hold of them not too long ago. They got a hold of me. They're coming back. That's from the oldie goldie days. So they do a lot of synchronicity and stuff. Then uh, April 7th, Don Webb. That's going to be a good one. How to be a wizard. But uh, all right, everybody. Well, thanks for listening. And I hope you all have a good weekend. Finished up Willow. That was a hard watch. I didn't hate it, but something was off with it. Like it wasn't as good as the movie. Trying to hate on it too bad, but it was 
I don't know, something about throwing in the modern weird pop music to battle scenes wasn't the best. I hope they save it somehow and uh, regenerate it. One of my most anticipated shows, though, before I end is uh, Brian Fuller, the guy that did Hannibal, which they cancel like freaking morons at NBC. He is doing a Friday the 13th prequel series on Peacock about Jason Voorhees' mother. He's also doing a Christine with Stephen King, so that should be interesting. But that series should be pretty crazy on Peacock with uh, Brian Fuller and some uh, like Jason Voorhees' Friday the 13th prequel series. Let's check that out. But everybody have a good weekend. Good night, everybody.